It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome to the National Security Hour. This is the American Outlaw Talk Radio Network, and I'm Ed Huglin, your host for this evening. On today's program, we're honored to welcome back Dr. Franco Musio, as we will discuss his diagnosis of the cognitive war from a medical and personal perspective. The doctor is in the house. More on that in just a moment. We'll be coming up here in a few short months on our one-year anniversary for the National Security Hour here on the American Out Loud Radio Network. We, being a team on the National Security Hour, it is we. It is the place to be every Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, as our outstanding producer, Mary Fanning, has pulled together a great weekly lineup of fellow military and intelligence professionals with expertise and experience covering the world. The lineup we have each week includes Colonel Mike, a former liaison and contractor in Southeast Asia, who's been in the darkest corners of the universe and whose wit and humor will hit you like a sidewander missile. And his co-host of the two mics, Dr. Michael Scheuer, a former chief of the Osama bin Laden unit at CIA's Counterterrorism Center, and also a best-selling author on counterterrorism analysis. Dr. Shores is a true intellect and brings insights you'll not get anywhere else. More recently, Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Army retired Sergeant Sangari, an Iranian-born Assyrian who served in the U.S. Infantry and Special Operations Forces of the U.S. Army for over two decades has joined our team, and he brings real-world experience from the battlefield to our audience. So I must also mention and bring into discussion Malcolm Out Loud. He's the publisher of America Out Loud and the host of Voice of a Nation and Viewpoint this Sunday. He is the founder of the American Out Loud Talk Radio and America Out Loud Podcast Network. Malcolm has advanced efforts to bring the out loud truth to America with this platform. This is key because it is through his platform that our team on the National Charter warns informs and gives you insights into the issues to help us all fight back in simple terms brings truth to the power as my regular listeners are aware during the last my nine months i've tried to bring a more strategic perspective on what's been happening in the american and global arena as it relates to the ongoing cognitive war this is a war that few are aware of or understand but it is a war that is taking place both domestically and globally. We see this war being conducted every day, but few realize it. It is a planned and coordinated effort. We watch the confusion, the chaos, and terror here on our streets in America, and we watch our adversaries like China and Russia continually, continually outmaneuver us and cause us to react, react, react. It's a losing proposition. And as they lead us by our noses to a future they're defining for us, those enemies, both foreign and domestic, leverage a similar strategy to drive us towards subjugation. Their coordinated strategy uses various ways, ideology, religion, or issues, and a litany of means, education, military, economic, and other, to replace our freedoms with tyranny and subjugation in its most basic form, 
it's a war between good and evil, freedom and subjugation. To advance this cause, provide a warning to America, but also our allies, and help you fully understand this war fully, I just vote and release the book, The Cognitive War, Why We Are Losing and How We Can Win. It's available on Amazon, and it's also available via America Out Loud bookstore. To be able to understand that fight back, we need to assess this war from a variety of perspectives. So tonight, we're honored again to bring back Dr. Franco Musio to get his perspective, his diagnosis, and his understanding of this ongoing cognitive war. Dr. Musio is a well-known internal medicine physician specializing in the field of nephrology, that's kidney diseases. He is an associate professor of medicine at the University of Virginia School of Medicine in over Fairfax campus in Northern Virginia. He enjoys teaching, lecturing, writing martial arts, and consulting for complex patients. Specifically, Dr. Musi and I will today focus on three areas to get his diagnosis as it relates to the cognitive war. He gives us insights into how the media enterprise has transformed the world we live in. He'll talk about the biological and physiologic basis for human proactive versus reactive responses. And he'll give us his understanding of the negative influences and challenges confronting our institutions and field of human activity. Welcome, Dr. Musio. Let's get started with the first area. The media enterprise has transformed the world we live in. In, Thank, in you. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Thank you so much. You know, I was listening to your um, introduction, and before I even start, I, I was thinking in the back of my head. You know, there's cert to certain degrees, we are our own worst enemies to 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 a certain degree in the United States. But anyway, um, I highly commend your your recent book to any human being who can read. Um, it, it should be required reading. I, I I'm not kidding in any academic or non-academic setting. Um, and, and no matter where you are on the political spectrum that we, we fall into, it should be required reading. Um, I've been a student of the human mind throughout my medical career. What makes my patients tick or even what, what makes me tick from a, a biological or neurologic standpoint? So I've been privileged, again, to read your book. And by the way, to the listeners, uh, I'm not being bribed by it. He's not bribing me at all, but I'm, I'm going to well, use you. it as, as a springboard for several different, but ultimately interrelated uh, topics um, and, and under the umbrella of cognitive war. But I'm going to approach it from a different angle, kind of a, a medical angle, if you will. So as an introduction, we cannot get through any chapter of your book without mention of technology and, and the deluge of data rendering us as humans, no matter what field or endeavor in life we're involved with, we're often, if not always, overwhelmed. And often this places us in a, so to speak, reactive state, uh, which we're going to discuss in, in the next segment. But I just want to touch on the definitions and what is going on today, because between the year 2000 and 2023, it's been just dramatic. I've been studying and writing about this from, again, a medical perspective, but as mentioned, this is very applicable to the, to the cognitive war. Um, mass media, it, it's reaching new heights and it'll continue to do that in terms of its influence on, in my world, the healthcare industry, and particularly on a physician-patient relationship. Now, all of this, it, it's fueled by a, an extremely rapid 
development of technology. And, and in fact, it's so rapid that we can't even keep up with that. Absolutely so the right. yeah, the traditional media and now the digital mass media, they're leading society also again to my world into a biomediatization. That's a new word. So we have new words coming up in our lexicon of, of what's happening with this mass media. Oh, great. Enterprise. I have more to learn. <laughs> oh, oh, we all have, you know, <laughs> we, we have these new words. I, I'm not kidding. Almost every day. Um, so there's there's just a continuum or a continuation of platforms, vehicles of communication with um, beneficial, yes, beneficial, but as well as very challenging influences and, and pressures on, on the healthcare industry as a whole, any industry, any industry as a whole. So, so I, I just, again, some definitions, and, and I've learned all of this, and I'm still learning. There's basically four groups. There's um, the digital, the new age media. It's a myriad of forms of computers, the computer networks, the internet, of course, and, and these can be transmitted by mobile devices, um, cell phones, tablets, portable devices. We have broadcast media, of course, in, in the digital technology, using digital technology, television. Yeah. We have cable TV. We have radio, what we're doing right now, podcasts. Um, print media. Okay, is print media going away? No, it's not going away. It's maybe taking a little bit of a backseat, but a lot of people read newspapers. There's magazines. There's pamphlets. There's even outdoor media, the billboards. There's billboards. There's commercial advertisements in public locations. Yeah, but all to your point here, Dr. Dr. Musio, is, is yes. what you're highlighting from my perspective anyhow is the democratization of technology has taken the Gutenberg press and placed it on massive steroids it's because yes. we have so right. many different outlets of media today for either an individual or a nation state to amplify things quickly. Right. Right. That's absolutely correct. And, you know, some of this data information, a lot of it is actually quite beneficial, quite beneficial. But on the other hand, some of it isn't. Some of it, and how do we know exactly what is good and what isn't good? And, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. So oh, we, do, we, we do we defer to the Ministry of Truth? <laughs> the ministry of truth actually comes from birth and and i think one of our institutions you know, marriage and family and inculcation of what's good what's not good uh religion all of this starts at a very 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 young age so as we grow older as we experience life, it's it's very, very complicated out there. You know, there was this commercial, an incredible commercial about someone who was, I think, in a hotel, was in a hotel, had a briefcase, was ready to go to work and was very peaceful, drinking his or her coffee and just very serene. All of a sudden, the door opened and there was massive chaos, massive chaos. And I, I just imagine New York City or any large city. And, and this is kind of what's going on with mass media. Um, it, it tries to tell us some of it, what to think and what to do and how to act. But actually, um, and for those who aren't well versed in what I think is propriety, maybe uh, overwhelmed by this and influenced. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah most definitely. You know? let, me, let me interrupt for just a quick second here. So. The Ministry of Truth you're talking about is the foundation of America, the family. And and but Ministry of Truth I was referring to 
is the attempt by DHS to have a state-run mind control to tell us what's proper, what's not. I mean, it's beyond belief. And so to your point, the mainstream media is also doing the same thing. They're getting us to believe what they want us to believe, not necessarily what, what truth is. Right. I agree. I agree. And but but it goes even even it's more ironic. It's very ironic that many of these individuals in the so-called ministry of truth, they may not believe what they're actually saying. In other words, in other words, it's true. If you get yes. people from MSNBC or CNN or traditional CNN used to not be so to the left, but or, or other we consider more left wing media. OK. Or you can go the opposite, extremely right-wing media, too. It doesn't matter. Um, th- th- there's also a, a competition out there. It's based on money. You know, who has more advertisers? Who has more viewers and, and such? And and even though they may, may not be true to themselves individually, personally, they go out there and start spewing this garbage. Well, you're uh, absolutely oh, right. It's because what, what you see is because of the money-driven aspect. Oh, my God, yes. See- you see actors posing as journalists. Right. And then, and then, like, as you said, many of them may be just spewing what they're given as a line right. script versus what they right. believe in. Right. I, I mean, I, I have a friend of mine and it's kind of interesting. He says, now I, I think you've gathered, I'm, I'm, I'm to the right. You're to the right. We're conservative, but he says, and he's very conservative, but he says, you know, I get two newspapers. I get the Washington Post, and I get no three New York Times, and and then I get the Wall Street Journal, and I get the uh, Washington uh, Washington Times, and somewhere in the middle of there, <laughs> I get I think I get the truth, but it's a little more to the right. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Absolutely. anyway, <laughs> you may not agree with that, but but bottom line is, unless we've joined a commune somewhere, you know, or we're isolated. <laughs> We're completely isolated from human contact. But even then, even then, we're constantly bombarded with data in today's world. And it's our job as individuals and as governments, as institutions, as society to decipher what do we do with the data? What data is good? What data is not good? And, And you've spelled that out so eloquently in many aspects, the parts of your book. Well, so Frankie, we have about uh, two and a half minutes left in this segment. Okay. One of the things okay. I'd like to ask you is, is that with this deluge of data, mm-hmm. how is it affecting the medical field? And, and from your perspective, if, if right. that's okay. Tremendously, because my patients, for example, um, that they, the pharmaceutical companies, you've noticed this over years that they're now, they have these high tech or, or very, um, these commercials that are based out of Hollywood, they have Hollywood producers. They have just like, just like the producer who, you know, the January 6th committee, they hired a Hollywood producer, which is ridiculous. Remember um, yes. to, to, to orchestrate all of this, all of the, uh, <laughs> and make it, make it a uh, national TV. That's ridiculous. But the, the, the pharmaceutical companies are doing the same thing and they're bombarded, bombarding society, this medicine, that medicine, this medicine, that medicine. They don't go through the studies. They don't go through this. They don't go through that. Well, some of these medications, yes, are good, but some of them may not be so good. And, and pressure is being placed on the physicians because they're the ones who who write the prescriptions. A lot of pressure. Patients come in and say, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's the physician's job to, to go through that data 
yes. to look at those commercials, to be able to clarify and counsel the patients as to what is correct, what isn't correct, what's still out there. We well, what you're saying is that. the pharmaceutical industries do the same thing as the, the filmmakers. They're marketing, they're selling different things. And the deluge of data makes it hard for the individual to understand what's actually good or what's actually bad. So we got about one minute left before break yeah. here. Is, yeah. is uh, anything else on that camera before we, we turn to the next segment? So so look, before we go to the next segment, uh, well, into the next segment, I, you had mentioned proactive and reactive. And um, yeah, I want to get into that because biologically, we may or may not be wired being proactive or reactive, but as a society, proactivity typically is good in certain situations. <clears throat> Probably we're not taking the bull by the horns as we should in certain situations. But then reactivity is also important. We want to be able to be nimble and to be able yes. to react to situations over which we have no control. So it's a balance, of course. Well, so keep that balance. And as we go to break here, we'll come back in the next segment here. But before we go to break, for our listeners, be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must all do our part to share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. I'll be right back. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness.
Welcome back to the National Security Hour. The doctor is back in the house, and I'm very pleased to have Dr. Franco Musio join us again today because it's very important to get different perspectives of what this cognitive war is and how it's affecting America. Dr. Franco, back to you in terms of the reactive and proactive and where you sure. want to take this next. So as background, when I, when I took your book, I looked, the first thing I did is I looked at the chapter's titles, and I was immediately captivated by the title of chapter five, moving from a reactive to a proactive posture. And I'm, I'm really embarrassed to admit that I read that. Well, I read the introduction first, but then I read your chapter five first. It shouldn't be that way, but I did. And then I went back. So it's a fascinating topic from a medical and neurologic perspective, but it also applies very aptly to day-to-day life. And, and there's so many implications when we dig deeper in this realm to cognitive warfare. So let me start with this. Let me start with two quotes in the early part of this chapter. So A, from George Marshall, the only way human beings can win a war is to prevent it. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe in that. But then there's another, shortly thereafter, you you wrote, moving from a perpetually reactive posture to a proactive posture requires an ability to baseline, assess, profile, and set tripwires for any region and culture worldwide. That's extremely important because you can't be proactive on everything because yeah. you don't really know what you're doing if you're proactive. So in other words, you need to be able to assess, should I be proactive on this? And then should I be, and then actually be proactive. So that's important too, is knowing the difference and, and, and actually doing it, actually acting. Oh, versus absolutely. Just, versus and, and, just knowing what yeah. would be better to do and not to do. And, and absolutely. The, the issue there though, as you know, is whether it's medical field or national security arena is are people doing different baselines so they can understand mm-hmm. the different mm-hmm. regions in the world in national security or right. in the medical fields, what's right. happening? Because as you said up front, right. so many things are changing so fast, so it's hard right. to keep track of it. It's hard to keep track. So let me start. Let me let me start with the individual person, and then let me extrapolate to society and and government and such. So proactivity, it generally means that you're taking control of situations. You're making things happen. You're taking the, we said the bull by the horn. So almost all languages have this saying, take the bull by the horns, and even Latin has that. So um, as opposed to waiting for situations to occur and, and then reacting, responding. Well, again, as we mentioned, sometimes we need to do that. So there, there's a balance there. Um, it's generally thought that being proactive is much healthier. It, it leads to improved mental health. When, when you study this sociologically or psychologically, better well-being, resilience, and and even increased in the workplace, increased productivity. Proactive people, they generally focus on preparing, planning, uh, planning for contingencies. You know, that's that's important, envisioning objectives. And and it it leads to one being much better equipped to deal with obstacles, and they're better able to see the big picture. Because as as you're saying this, you're tripping my mind again, is this being proactive also means you're defining your future for yourself rather than mm-hmm. letting others define it for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's so, so, so important. And again, leading to a healthier, psychologically more um, happier life. Now, reactivity. Reactivity is the antithesis to that, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the person, but it can be. So if a person lives in a constantly state, constant state of response, okay? often making quick decisions based on emotion. 
So not seeing the big picture. So many are almost, they're frenetic, almost many, um, always trying to catch up, if you will. So um, the listeners, you and I, we can think of people in our lives or people that we know of who fit more or less these characteristics. Now, in real life, as I said, there's a continuum. It's impossible, impossible to always be proactive. There's events or situations that occur which are uh, completely out of control. So look at COVID, for example. Look look at the terrible acts of nature. You know, in in Libya, 30,000 plus people died from the floods. And and I believe there's an earthquake there, but the floods are certain diseases we have absolutely no control over yet. So we have to be reactive. Now, the neurobiology, it's fascinating. So far, we don't have, don't know of a proactive gene or a reactive gene or or a series of genes uh, that can be identified. So the neurobiology is still in in its infancy. Are are we as human beings pre-wired, so to speak, to be more proactive versus reactive? Don't know that yet. Don't know that yet. Very interesting. It is. So nature versus nurture. So it, it, it's a cogent argument that, that can be made that we actually learn over time based upon our upbringing, our examples, our experiences to be more proactive or to be reactive. So, so based on that, though, so what, you know, because there's no gene that's been identified for that, it, but from your, your practice in the medical field and, and for example, helping and, and studies of different journals you do peer review on, you know, addicts become non-addicts. We've seen you know, not only Hunter, but RFK Jr., right? So mm-hmm. how do we help others learn to train themselves or can they train themselves to move from a reactive to proactive posture from, from a medical perspective? Right, right. So so the psychologists are, are you know, there's a whole field in terms of this, in terms of, um, you know, not enticing, but in terms of cognitive therapy, of seeing yeah. really bad situations like a drug addict. Drug addict is very, very proactive in terms of seeking drugs, right? Drug yeah. addict is actually, is actually many times is hooked. So physiologically hooked. But yeah, there, there, there's always um, mechanisms or means to try to teach the mind how, how to change things. Now, it's really interesting because they've done studies into areas of the brain that function during proactive activities or during reactive activities. So during proactive activities, there are, or, or thought processes, there's delicate connections between different areas of the white matter. So that goes below the gray matter, which is towards the the fringes, the top, if you will, of, of our brains, the gray matter, but below that is the white matter, which carries all the neural pathways, the neurons, which are, are bathed in, myelin and it appears white in color so there's a delicate um communication network if you will just like uh oh just like in an airport when you have control towers and the control towers many times they speak with other control towers that's what around around the area that's what happens in during proactive activity during reactive it that's not what happens this delicate balance is interrupted completely not necessarily a bad thing. So let's say we have a threat yeah. over Washington, D.C. And at Andrews Air Force Base or other Air Force bases, we have to scramble jets. Well, those pilots or people directing things are not going to sit there and start proactively thinking, well, you know, if I do this, I do. no, no, you got to respond on the spot. Seconds matter. Yeah. All right. So so but, but so that's a very, very different pathway. 
But um, and surprisingly, there are <laughs> antitheses to this. There are inhibitory pathways too, which makes it even more complicated. So there are pathways which inhibit proactive thought, and there are pathways which inhibit reactive thought as well. So, but but the extrapolation to society as a whole and governments, it, it's even more complex than that. So. You could so, say, so, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, quick, sorry. So um, when you talked about the addict being very proactive towards seeking additional drugs, right? Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the, what raises that in my mind is you have people who are evil, purposely evil, and they're sort of beholden to the power they have and advancing that power. It's like its own drug. So, so from, do you mean the people who sell the drugs, for example? No, no, no. I'm talking about like the politicians or oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like Putin or Xi. Well, who well are, yeah, who are for sure. The power, not only hooked on the power, but their lives depend on maintaining that power. Right. And so there, there has to be some sort of uh, uh, neurological tie in there that, that helps drive them and keep them doing that. Yes. Realizing that, you know, as I say, all, 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 all dictators are suicidal by nature. But yet they continue to push it like a drug user, only they're mm -hmm. a power monger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and what, what dictator do you know of in recent history um, hasn't been um, assassinated? Uh, there's only one that I know. I think Idi Amin. He's, he still may be alive somewhere. Uh, I, I yeah. don't know. Where, and what's his name? Megistu from Ethiopia. These dictators who sought refuge. But but the vast majority have been assassinated by their own people. But But of a criminal mind because they are criminals yes but yes. but they're even worse criminals than you know the street criminals they're even worse they're mass murderers so so yeah there, there's whole fields of study there about now if somebody sits down with putin and says you know mr putin you're killing so many people let's work on this let's work on changing your brain changing your Good mind luck. let's do some <laughs> exactly let's do some cognitive therapy no um th then you get into is he truly the devil in person personified, or Hitler, or Stalin, yes. or Lenin, or you name it, or or the you know in Cambodia, um, Khmer Rouge, head of the Khmer Rouge. So yeah, that that goes to whole new levels as to as to proactive, reactive, good versus evil, you know, devil versus because uh, you know. Yes, I'm sure they have mal neuro neurologic malfunctions in one way or another. Not no, only well, thanks, thanks for answering that. I, I probably took uh, you a little bit off track. From no, 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 no. That's no, no, no. That's fine. So the way the way I look at this is this: this, this is my own personal interpretation. We start with a premise, a precept, or a thesis, if you will. Okay. So the, let's do this. Let's say <clears throat> the pre the the premise is we need to promote peace and avoid war. I don't think there's a lot of controversy on that. I really don't think so. I, I think most human beings, whether right, left, whatever, <clears throat> in the middle, agree with that. Um, so we need to promote peace and avoid war. So what do we do? Do we, A, how, how do we handle that in a proactive or reactive way? Do we proactively become subservient to China, Iran, and North Korea? Right. So that's proactive, I think. Yeah. In my, my opinion, it's very proactive. Or, or do we proactively pursue peace through strength? So these are two proactive postures. And personally, to me, uh, pursuing peace through strength is much, much more effective yeah. than proactively uh, kissing the ass of China. 
And well, you and mean like wrong. with the Obama administration uh, leading from behind? Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely leading from behind. Um, that and, and yes, it's proactive, but I think it's misguided proactivity. So I, I have another one. We are equals on this earth as human beings, okay? And we all deserve dignity and respect. So I, I don't think there's a lot of controversy on that, except if, for example, you, you talk to Mr. Putin or you talk to even Xi Jinping, yeah. then you'll get. But so do we proactively pursue equity or um, you know affirmative action or reparations? Do we proactively pursue that? Or do we proactively pursue pathways which lead to values which in turn lead to respect and not only societal respect but self-respect so fostering opportunities for advancement uh, education for all okay yeah, so do we do we follow our constitution and our founding father's path or do we take a dystopian view right and shove things down people's throat to tell them right. what they should be thinking yeah right exactly exactly so they're both proactive postures but in my opinion one is more is much much more uh, better guided if you will than yeah. the opposite I, what, what, murder what, is bad oh, oh, i'm sorry i i'm just no, going no, through this, a list but this is good so this is very interesting because part of the what you're saying though is proactive for the dystopian view right mm-hmm. is i have my it's my contention that the radical left not all democrats mm-hmm. but the radical progressive left is very adept at not only being proactive but mm-hmm. strategically and methodically planning and executing their efforts. Whereas on the conservative side, independents and, and true Democrats, they tend to be more accepting and therefore more reactive and are played constantly in this cognitive war, the domestic mm-hmm. cognitive war mm-hmm. by the radical left because mm-hmm. of their tactics. That's, that's at least my, my perspective. Um, yes, yes, to some degree. So I'll give you an example. Um, so early voting, early voting. So guess what? The Republicans are learning from the Democrats, right? Yes, yes. So so early voting is is proactive in the sense that this is planned. It's planned. Yes. Um, um, it's planned. Or even you could say you could make the argument uh, about the illegals coming in. Is there an ulterior motive behind that? Does this take a lot of planning and forethought to allow the illegals to come in so many? So ultimately, they would be able to vote, presumably on the left. It would be hilarious if they don't, but but presumably on the oh, left. Ab- absolutely. We have about three minutes left, but on that point, exactly, okay. is I, I believe there's actually a methodical plan to have lit, lit them in, have the family seed new American citizens. And because mm-hmm. they're all dependent, to your point, right? hopefully right. tilt the elections, because that can sway up to 25% <sighs> of the vote for freedom yeah. item. So in the yes. last two and a half minutes for this segment, Dr. Frankel, back to you. Yes. So um, so these are all, pre- I was giving you premises which are good, okay? Yes. So we need to be, be benevolent to our fellow human beings. Well, that's true. But do we open the border? I, I, I'm sorry about harping on this, but do we open the borders and, and be benevolent, but at the same time hurting our own citizens and and being proactive about it? Yeah. But, but proactivity can turn into reactivity so all of a sudden look what is look what's happening in chicago and new york they unfortunately are reacting 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 to all these illegals right and and it's not always good but there also are theses uh, uh, thesis premises etc 
that are not widely accepted, like spread the wealth, uh, equity, gender, gender affirming surgery for minors. Yes. And th there's proactive people on that but side. What's, and, what's interesting yeah. in the, the point you raise is, though, we, we see Chicago, New York, because they're squeaky wheel Democrats. However, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eight million to nine million yes. people have already arrived in all uh -huh. the southern red states. OK, yes. and you don't see any news coverage of the horror, the death and what's happening there. And the fact that right. they're completely overwhelmed. Right. Right. So right. You got about a minute left here, Dr. Musial. Well, um, you do with certain networks, but you don't with a lot of other networks. So why are we so consumed with the other networks not not being accurate in their reporting? Well, good question. So many people watch. So many people watch those other networks and swing swing elections. You know they do. I, I I think I think human beings are as a whole. Most human beings are very good people. Are very trustworthy people. Not everyone, but yeah. but they're swayed uh, uh, inappropriately swayed. Uh, by ex these external factors. And if they were more thoughtful, if they, you know, had the right, I think the right guidance, you know, yes. uh, the right leadership, the right well, leadership. Well, that's why we have this this station here and, and this program here. And mm -hmm. as we go to break, we're going to come back and talk more with Dr. Musil about his diagnosis of this cognitive war. But Make sure to know that all of our shows go to podcast typically a day after this broadcast, and you'll be able to get Dr. Musio's contact information and some other websites that he's linked into when that goes to post. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcast, and many, many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate our shows on Apple Podcasts for me. We'll be right back. One. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back to the NASA Security Hour. We're talking with Dr. Musio about the cognitive war and getting his medical diagnosis on this. So we've covered a couple different areas in terms of the human factor. But now let's turn to understanding the negative influences 
and challenges confronting our institutions and fields of human activity. Dr. Musial, back to you. So, uh, Ed, you taught me so much. Uh, and, and again, I, I commend this book to for anyone, anyone, anyone. But so what I've gleaned is cognitive war, you've described in your introduction very eloquently, is a quote unquote perpetual phenomenon that will continue until mankind ceases to exist, and which is kind of a, a grisly thought. But but nonetheless, and, and I'm also quoting from your introduction, um, this quote, this war has been ongoing for the millennium or more. A good strategy ties the ways and means together to achieve desired ends. Cognitive warfare is primarily a battle using a strategy that leverages various ideologies, religions, or issues in various varied means such as governance, political, legal, economic, education, and et cetera. So I want to highlight the et cetera. Uh, in, in this segment. And oh, please do. Please do. I, I do. But before I do that, before I do that, I read this incredible paragraph. It was by a professor, Christian Terry, University of Utah. I, I don't know which side of the political spectrum he lies in, but um, it, it's from a course, Culture and Human Experience, and specifically an, art, an article titled Cultural Erosions from 2018-2019. So I quote him, life and universe in general, tend to follow entropic laws, which state that all things tend to disorder and chaos. Erosion is common in geology. As deposition of materials builds, new mountains, streams, and oceans erode away the ones we currently have. Society will follow the same pattern. We will create new traditions, embrace older ones, or simply let them fade away. Our traditions help form a backbone of society and culture, by providing patterns and stability. So you say, well, what does that have to do with medicine? What does that have to do with caring for people? What does that have to do with cognitive work? Well, well, it has to do with humanity. It has to do with humanity. So it, almost like the internet, right? The web being yeah. all interconnected, internet, we as human beings and fields of activity, fields of thought are all interconnected. So I'm going to name some. So, so these are cultural and cognitive domains. You call them domains in your book. So sociology, I'm going to go through technology, psychology, science, religion, business, anthropology, economics, sports, ethics, philosophy, literature, art, medicine, history, geography, engineering. You can go on and on. So they sound like college course titles. They do. But but there are (laughs) fields of human activity that that are extremely important. I, I didn't put in there, um, you know, um, cog, uh, oh, what would be the word? Intelligence community. But so the yeah. intelligence community is a field of thought, if you will. It's an institution, which if we yeah. don't, it did not have that, we would be under probably under communist rule. But the, and, the common thing to all those is that, that the cognitive domain, the domain of the human mind. Right. It trans- right. Trans- transforms across all those different functional areas you talked about. Right. Right. Absolutely. So if you look at the fringes of our political system, again, mainly from the left, but but also on the right, I I don't think any fringe is necessarily good for the most part, but they're constantly accosting our institutions that they're resulting in an enablement, if you will, of the cognitive war against us, the United States. So, uh, and, and as I mentioned, a war uh, largely from within, I think, 
but it, but it's also assisted by global forces as well. So erosion, like the erosion of the mountains, erosion of the um, erosion of other uh, geological areas yes. that I mentioned before. Um, well, our institutions are eroding, and and what does that do? I think I think in, in a connective way, it leads to deleterious effects upon our military. So kinetic strength. Yes. I think yeah. how how can that be? Well. Well, if, if you don't have appropriate appropriations of money by our legislatures, right, to build up the military, so then you won't. Or, or our national psychology, our strength, our resolve, our determination, the vitality, yeah. the vitality or the national will, no pun intended, but if you will, our national will is extremely important in protecting us because, you know, one thing Obama said, I agreed with, but in reality, so you have to look at theory or, or ideology, as you say, yes, and yes. reality. He said early in his presidency, and I agreed so much with him, that, well, with the Iranians, why don't we just sit down at a table, okay? Because yeah. I know a lot of Iranians are very, very good people. Fine. And they'll probably say the same at us. So we sit down and hammer this all out hammer all this garbage that we've had for so many years. And in theory, that sounds excellent. That sounds wonderful if it yeah, could only happen. Or the Chinese or, or whoever, yes, yes. we as human beings. But guess what? It doesn't work. The entropy, the entropy that was described in human nature, um, you have people like Putin, you have people like the Ayatollah, whatever Ayatollah, you have a theocracy, and that's not going to jive with a democracy. Consequently, most of their people are extremely, extremely poor and subjugated in yes. Iran, for example. But then you do have some billionaires. You do. And that's what we see is the billionaires and the people with all the money and such. But they're they're driving the show. So, so, so there's a, in a cahoots. Couple, a couple of things on it. So what when you talk about the different areas of science, religion, technology, psychology, and I could come back to this last statement here you made in, in a second. But what, what people and our listeners may not understand, in China's Unrestricted Warfare, a book written by two colonels back in 1999, almost a quarter century ago, mm -hmm. they list all of those different areas that Franco laid out as fields of battle. Now, why is that? It's because it goes back to the human mind and will. If you can subvert a society from within, you destroy its will. And this is an old Soviet mm -hmm. studies guy. This is exactly how the Soviet Union marched their way and captured all of Eastern Europe because they got their lemmings inside the tent and then they subverted everything from religion to science to technology, sociology and psychology under the auspices of advancing humanity because of the utopian but they basically then destroyed those societies' will to survive and made them compliant and subjugated. Mm -hmm. Now, Obama's statement, anybody would agree generally with that statement, but it also speaks to a level of naivety Absolutely. from Absolutely. the community yep. organizer. Right. And right. assuming right. that these people, as you point, rightfully pointed out, have the same thoughts that we have in the same agenda. And as we talked, the drug addict, will tell you anything they want you to hear to get the drugs. Mm -hmm. The power monger, the dictator, oh, sure. will tell you anything they need to tell you to keep in power. 
right? So society is contaminated. Um, it's contaminated by these individuals who unfortunately are chiefs in, in a certain sense running yes. the show. And you have a lot of Indians underneath that. But And there's a lot of blurring of lines between right and wrong, common sense from idiocy. But so, so example, our children, and you, you watch these drag queens coming and, and teaching. So oh, yeah, yeah. it's it's very funny, it's hilarious, but it's very sad as well because these poor kids are are learning, um, you know, that this may be the norm, you know, or or gender affirming surgery. Yeah, it's, I call it grooming, and it is it's it's trying to set a new norm, which is warped, in my opinion. It, it's extremely warped. And do they really know what they're doing? In other words. These, these drag queens, first of all, they're not lesbians or homosexuals. They're not homosexuals. They are men who enjoy dressing up as women and then parading around. Now, first of all, that's that's clearly abnormal, okay? I, yeah. I don't care how liberal one is and say, you know, it's a free society. There are certain things that are, are right and wrong. I, I'm sorry, because if you don't have that, then anything anything goes and that's what's going on actually absolutely anything right goes, and, and right? this is where this is why they constantly attack christianity catholicism and religion because mm -hmm. religion is based on providing norms for society to operate right. under okay to the benefit of humanity but they want to discard those things because they want to push a certain agenda a warped agenda right Right. Well, for example, and not only Christianity, you could put in there Judaism, you can yes, put in exactly. there Islam, because there, there's so many. And, and look at all the precepts of all the holy books. Yes. The precepts are, the tenets are extremely admirable and do separate good from bad, you know, evil, good from evil, all, all of that. But yeah, I want to touch a little bit, if I have any time on, on the family unit, the family unit, the breakdown of the family unit, that's absolutely horrible yeah we got That's about eight a, minutes left oh, oh we do have some time okay oh yeah so yeah. so okay so for example challenges and threats real threats uh in terms of eroding our institutions so it, and this has been so over the last 50 years you look at the the nuclear family all right the nuclear family and, and i'm not including right now two women or two men because um, also, you can make the argument that they, they could be extremely loving families as well. But there's 19 million single moms out there today. Yeah, three million single dads. And uh, what used to be, um, you know, it used to be one million 50 years ago or, or less single moms. So, and, and, and this is amazing too: children living with a single mother. If you look at all the countries in the United States, I, I didn't know this, but who leads the pack among countries? Uh, it's not the United States. It's the UK. The UK has more single moms per capita than, um, than any country. And then number two, I never would have imagined this, Lithuania, of all places. Yeah, so you so, would have, Lithuania. So I got to interrupt. So that's very interesting yeah. here because... When you take a look at single motherhoods and you take a look at what's the percentage in mm -hmm. poverty, mm -hmm. it's astronomical. Right. The other aspect, right. and so that explains why, why the left, the progressive left here in the United States, pushes so much 
for these types of things because what they do is they're creating a new plantation of dependency and they want to expand it mm -hmm. and they get those voters who are dependent on the government and yeah. the state. And so it's a very interesting, but to, I think to some degree, yes. Strategy. But you remember Jimmy, uh, not Jimmy Carter, I'm sorry, uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah. So um, he actually did some very good things. And, and one thing was disrupting the um, what is it called? They have something new now. Uh, food stamps, or yeah. or at least putting a dent into food stamps. So so yeah, he was he was a Democrat for sure, but but he actually implemented. If if he could keep his pants down, it, it would have been even much better. But he could uh, or up oh, keep his pants up, not yes, keep his keep pants down. <laughs> <laughs> keep no, it's too much to pick down. But remember, he was forced into that into the welfare reform by the conservatives. He didn't uh -huh. really want to do that, well, but he well, signed off because it he made did sense. He went, he went, went, he was trying to pull his pants up to get to get on board. <laughs> to get on board. He was a smart guy. He was a smart guy. I, I, I'll hand it to him. But, uh, yes. you know, other things were, were dictating the show here. So um, how about our education system? Our education system. So um, now it's our public education system, not so much private. But if you look, we're number, what, 23 or so out of 50 or so, if you will, on standardized tests. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Why is that? Well, have academic standards been lowered? Um, yes, they have, for sure. Um, you know, the time that they're they're spending with all this gender stuff, indoctrinating, um, why don't they spend that time doing doing math and doing, you know, reading history and such? Well, yeah, um, and you, there's an the assault. Report. You've seen the report here in Baltimore, in Maryland. Mm -hmm. There's not one student who passed the yep. math exam. I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, yes. yes, yes. Now, that that's within our public school system. I'd like to see the statistics, but we don't have them for the, the private school system. But nonetheless, nonetheless, um, all of this is being worked, and it's getting worse. It's getting worse. So meanwhile, we have Chinese students who are extremely intelligent, coming here they want to they want to come here yes. they want to stay here uh and and they're overtaking um well let me tell you if you're working hard enough and and you have a goal then more power to you but but there's a problem with that too if you will right so yes nothing remains stagnant nothing the roman empire you you could not have the roman empire forever right you yeah. couldn't, but but it, it fell apart after. So the United States is going to be very different hundreds of years from now. First yeah, of all, I, I, three minutes left. Uh, three minutes. Okay. All right. So so lastly, so for example, the illegal immigrant crisis. You could say what you will, but again, we're we're in a reactive posture now. I've been saying all these things that are negatives, but but there's a lot of positives. You know, wh where are the positives? There are. There are. So why do we have so many illegal immigrants? Because this is the greatest country in the world. And, and why do we have so many coming from Europe legally, legally, um, or other countries legally? Why? Because the opportunities are, are here. Other countries, you need to really have connections, ultimate connections. You need yes. to bribe. You need to do this. You need to do that in the workplace. Um, but so we have engineering, we have farming, farming. I, I've been in North Dakota, Minnesota, uh, so much bioengineering, um, the, the scientific, the, even psychological research, psychiatric research. We have the chemistry, 
the drug industry, no matter how yes. warped all of this is with, with the, the drug companies, you know, with money, well, capitalism ultimately, with nothing is perfect, with capitalism comes opportunity, comes striving for excellence, comes the, yes. that, that opportunity, uh, as opposed to, to socialism, you know, um, it, it, it really, there, there's a stark difference, or, or so you, communism, you're... or communism. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So we have about uh, one minute left. Any final comments, Dr. Musio, before we close out here? Yes. Tonight? So lastly, th these good parts, these good things I just mentioned, um, um, these breakthroughs leading to a better, healthier life. Um, I, I think we could turn it around. We could do a, a counter momentum, if you will, in terms of halting the erosions of our institutions and promoting the opposite of but promoting the building yes. or the uh, metamorphosis or an evolution of the different um, cognitive domains. So that's the good part of this is that we have enough smart people. We have brilliant people. We have Einsteins everywhere. Yes. We just need to recognize them. Um, but but there, are, there are people out there who are as creative as Mozart and as intelligent as Einstein. They're, they're out there. Um, well, and, well, we truly we'll, appreciate you coming on today, Doctor Musio. It's been a, been a, a privilege and a, and a treat, well, and I you. always love to get the different perspectives here. So, thank you very much for joining us. Remember, thank you, Ed. It, oh, thank you, Doctor Musio. If you wish assistance with expert witnessing in the fields of nephrology or internal medicine, you can email Doctor Musio at f r m u s i o s f r m u s i o at gmail.com. And that will come up on the podcast when it goes to podcast. You can also find Dr. Musio on Seek Witness, Expert Witness website. That's S-E-A-K, just seekexperts.com, medical expert witnesses. Also, Dr. Musio is an ardent advocate for military veterans of America, and we'll have that website on as well. I'm here on the NASA Security Hour to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. I will go outside of the fog of the daily chaos to give you a strategic perspective on national security issues and speak truth to power, the power of we the people, so we together can best ensure the resilience and security of our republic. Thanks for joining us on the mission. The National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.